Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. So what is going on? Uh, yesterday during the press conference, of course, about the arrest and the uh, Musitano murder, uh, the uh, the police were quite clear in saying they did not really know exactly what the motive for the murder was, although they did go through great descriptions as to how it probably happened. Uh, getting information has got to be rather difficult. And how difficult is it going to be to find, first of all, the other two people who have warrants issued out for them right now, and how high up the ladder, organizational ladder and organized crime, does this go? Peter Edwards is a uh, reporter with the Toronto Star, of course, uh, author, executive producer, and consultant for the TV series Bad Blood. He's uh, written a number of different books about organized crime over the last number of years, and uh, always great reads and uh, very insightful. And uh, we wanted to get him in uh, to give his take on that. Peter, thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate the time. Sure, no, thanks for having me on. I enjoy it. Peter, from the uh, what you heard yesterday from the media conference yesterday here in Hamilton with, uh, with Hamilton Police and the Joint Force, uh, were you surprised by, by what they re- revealed yesterday, or is, is this a very typical of a, a way something like this would actually occur? I'm not really surprised, but, but fascinated. Um, the interesting part for me is the um, there weren't against two Canadians um, who went to Mexico and haven't been heard from in quite a while, and so did they turn on someone and go into hiding, or have they been killed along with a, um, a third Canadian who was murdered down there? Uh, that's kind of the thing I'm wondering about right now. Well, let's ask about that. I mean, you know, they, they mentioned about how difficult it is to get information. Let me ask you, as you researched all of the material that you've done over the years on, on the Rizzuto family and, of course, here at Hamilton and Toronto and uh, Southern Ontario crime families, uh, how, I, I don't want you to reveal sources, but how do you get information? Are, are there people that are willing to talk off the record as long as they're not identified? Uh, yeah, there, there, are, there always are. If someone who wants to talk, a lot of it is, um, will you burn them? Um, so a lot of people, too, they want, they're curious about your take on something, or they're curious about, um, did I just see what I think I saw? Um, you know, it's almost like we're all looking at an elephant through a little hole in the fence, and we, we're not quite sure what went by, like we know it was something big. There are a lot of grudges in um, in organized crime, too, so a lot of people, um, I had a guy phone me last night who said that I'm, making Daniel Ranieri look smarter than he is and that he and so this is a guy who would know Ranieri pretty well but he almost it's almost like an athlete saying another athlete is overpraised you know that he's not as good as you've been hyping him up to be and so uh, this guy was trying to make the point that Ranieri was um, a big deal in organized crime but that he wasn't a thinker you know he was a a doer that he was um, some like an attack dog not a uh, not a guy who's bound for the executive chair. Ranieri, uh, just for the sake of our listeners, was the uh, individual that fled uh, to Mexico uh, and was found, uh, well, bound and shot. So we assume that th- that's also a murder. And uh, Yeah, and he was living under an assume, assumed name, so that gets interesting as he set up his ID up here. There's one guy who uh, was convicted about a year and a half ago who was giving a lot of these people their identification, and so it could have been him, but was it someone else? Um, some of them have really, really good sets of identification, which um, you know raises a whole bunch of questions about government security. But some of them have really, really good second identities. Who are these people within the organization? I mean, you know, and again, I, I know police do this, and I know as, as you uh, go through your research when you're writing a book, Peter, that's it's you almost like a develop an organizational chart as to who is doing what and who is responsible to and who answers to whom here. Uh, and, and again, I don't want to get into the movie uh, gangland uh, parlance necessarily, but are these just soldiers? Are they people for hire, or are they actually uh, members of, of these organizations? Um, if this was police, these would be um, 
sergeants and inspectors. I mean, these are these are pretty high up people. So the Vito Rizzuto was a huge deal. Like he died five years ago, but he was huge. And he, if there was a pyramid, he was at the very top. Since then, there hasn't been anyone remotely close to that level. And so, there, if someone goes down to Mexico to talk to a cartel, they're not talking from a real point of power. They're trying to um, almost invent themselves and you know suss everything out and figure how to handle it. They, they're not going in with clout like Rizzuto would have had. And um, Things have just changed a lot in the last five years where I don't think we'll see anyone like that again. And so we've got kind of a vacuum, and, and some um, people in Montreal have been freshly released from prison, and they're back um, asserting themselves. Some bikers have um, have upped their game, and um, some people are back in Buffalo who uh, that had been written off as a wasteland, and I think it's something again. And so there's just a whole bunch of different factors, and the odd thing is the criminals themselves don't know. I mean, there's no score chart or um, you know you don't have to file your profits and so um, there, there's a lot of people wondering exactly what and sometimes someone will get killed and there'll be five different reasons you know like like you you get the parade going but everybody's marching for a different reason well when when a situation is like occurring such as you've just described and there's a, a power vacuum obviously somebody wants to come in and fill that uh, when when they're looking at a territory, and let's let's talk about Hamilton in this area here, because obviously the murders occurred here. Uh, do they nat- naturally assume that they have to do this by with muscle, that they have to move in and do this sort of thing, or are there, there any negotiations that occur? Um, you can negotiate a bit, but if you don't have muscle, people don't pay their bills. And so, um, if you're in gambling, you it's not an honor system. Like if if you don't have the threat, and Renary was a threat, like the. Uh, about 20 minutes ago, I was talking to someone who knew him, and he he said, "Yeah, he wasn't a bright guy, but but he was bright enough, and he was scary, and so he's the guy you you want, like you want to be able to point to him and say, don't make me sick this guy on you." One one thing we've got at play right now too that's interesting is the the price of cocaine is going up a bit, and so that attracts new players, like people who people sniff the opportunity and start to move in. At the same time, the Mexican cartels are. Um, they have more people on the ground in Canada, and so they have a lot more control over the situation. So you have a lot of different things that are that are being played out, and and for almost all of them, it's it's a new thing. Like it's new for Mexico, it's new for uh, the guys up here dealing with with the the people from um, down south. So everybody is having to reinvent themselves right now. So is this all about narcotics then, in in your mind? Um, I think narcotics are at the top, and gambling gambling fueling. Um, some of it, but it's um, it's drug money going into gambling, and so it all kind of works together. Some of the people too who don't want to compete on the top tier, where um, narcotics is is very dangerous, and um, a lot of players you might try to get into gambling on a on a secondary level. Um, you, the same people come into it though, you know, like the um, there there is no one safe place. Let me ask you about safe places. It's uh, more than coincidental, obviously, that uh, the the individual you were just talking about, plus the other two that have warrants issued for them, uh, fled to Mexico. Is is that considered a safe haven, or is that just because that's where they do business? See, that's a great question, and it used to be. Like, if this was um, in the 70s, definitely in the 60s, um, absolutely. Now, not so much. And now um, I'm working with this um, journalist from Juarez who... Um, really, really knows his stuff, and, and he's been explaining that there are more than a dozen cartels down there and that they're they're constantly warring with each other, and so the politics is there and the um, 
trying to sort out what's safe and what isn't is, is extremely complicated. And so um, you hook up with one, but then, then that means you've got other ones who might be pressuring you as well. Um, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So in other words, if you decide I'm going to do business with this cartel, you all of a sudden become an enemy of the other cartels. Yeah, and you might be in a city like, say, if you're in Cancun, that might be controlled by one cartel, but then three other cartels form an alliance and push out the first cartel. Now they want you to deal with them, but then the first cartel is very offended that you've written them off. And so now you've got four different groups and you're trying to measure them and they, they, they're all scary to you. We're obviously speculating at this stage, but I mean, there are two warrants issued here right now. They're Canada-wide warrants at this stage, and and as we determined yesterday, apparently uh, the police are seeking to make these international warrants. What does that do? What what kicks in then? Uh, It's interesting, but I mean, these guys went to Mexico and didn't come back. Um, So, I mean, the answer is is down there. Um, I, I think one thing they did float out yesterday was that anyone who's helping them Anyone who's provided any assistance to them can be charged with accessory after the fact in murder. And so I think they're reminding people up here who know something that um, uh, it's a good time to step forward. If there's an international warrant issued, and that seems as if it's going to happen sooner than later, uh, does that allow Mexican authorities, for instance, to go seek out these two individuals? Yeah, I think they are seeking them out now, but I think there's a very good chance that they're dead. Um, like that's something Louise and I are looking at is that, um, I mean, the guy they were working with, um, you know, bound and executed, and these were people who would have been considered very close to him. And so uh, it, it'd be very fortunate if, they, um, if they're still walking around. Well, that's obviously one of the areas of speculation. Uh, the, one of the individuals, uh, Michael Cudmore, uh, they say was in touch with uh, with folks up here until that other individual was uh, was executed, and had, they haven't heard from him since. So that sounds rather suspicious. Uh, the other individual, uh, Daniel Tomasetti, uh, we don't know much about, or whether or not he's been in contact with anybody. But clearly, he's still within uh, the Mexican uh, uh, borders. So that you know, but uh, you suggest that he might have uh, met the same fate. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a strong possibility. I mean, if they're considered part of a group. They absolutely wanted to get rid of Ranieri, and so, um, I mean, that wasn't a spontaneous thing. And so if they, they were planning, you know, they, they, it, it sounds kind of flippant, but some the, down there, murder isn't that, um, that shocking of a thing. And so if you're not sure whether to kill someone or not, um, it's almost erring on the side of caution to kill the other guy, too. If, in fact, that happened, uh, it was, is it done by the cartels themselves, or is it done by people from up here? Um, see, that's, that's something I'm really, really curious about. Um, my guess is the cartels, but I'm not sure. And, and we're trying to find out the, um, the type, type of weapon used. Um, where Louise has really helped me a lot is that when you look at the caliber of the gun and um, the type of gun, sometimes it points to who the killer is and, and down there they um there's a type of machine gun with a curved magazine that's very popular and so um if they if he was shot with that then it really points to someone with a military background who's working for a cartel peter i gotta ask you uh, a, a question that came up yesterday at the, at the press conference at the police headquarters here uh, and that's about who else is involved in this. And 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 as you heard yesterday, uh, Sergeant Detective Sergeant Tom was quite clear to say, "Look, at these guys pr- carried this out in their opinion, but they're not the ones that organized this or ordered this. That's further up the ladder." 
uh, how do you track that? I, we also got the sense, obviously, from the way that he was describing it, as if they got a pretty good idea who it might be. Uh, how do police go about actually doing that and trying to prove that and, and, and move up that, that organizational ladder that you talked about? Sometimes they have to wait, and if you have a group of people who did something, then um, sometimes it's the first one to go to police who, who cuts the deal, and then the other ones have to react to that deal. And so, um, uh, I mean, something's cracked for them to get as far as they did yesterday, and uh, the police can wait. You know, like they can kind of wait it out and let things play out a little more. The the level of paranoia among some of the bad guys will be pretty high right now. Once a bad guy said to me, I'm helping being chased by paranoids, and he was joking but that was his world you know when naturally paranoid people are starting to turn on each other it's not very pleasant and that's when sometimes people run to police will those people that well they'll they'll call you from time to time obviously because they know what you do in your background and they will confide in you would they actually call police and do the same thing uh, some of them might if they think that if you were the driver and you thought it was surveillance and then a guy whips out a gun and shoots someone or if um uh, you shot a woman in the driver's seat, but you thought the guy was going to be in the driver's seat and you thought she was going to be in the passenger seat and you didn't really, you meant to kill but not her and you're feeling awful about that. The people, there, there'd be a lot of emotions at play. There'd be um, girlfriends, ex-girlfriends, mothers, sisters, people who aren't really a part of it but are um, kind of spectators to some of it. Um, these would all be valuable people too. Those that ordered this, those that d- organized this whole thing, are they local, in your opinion? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is not coming from Montreal or, or Buffalo or, or wherever. This is this is being done within the confines of southern Ontario, around the, the uh-huh. 905-416 areas. Um, I think it's 905 with a, with a bu- Buffalo and Montreal influence. So I don't think there's a real vacuum, and I think if you're... If you're a big deal, you um, you can reach out. Like you can, um, uh, and you want to know, just bringing things in or having markets or controlling competition. You you, you can't just um, just stay in one narrow little area. And so I think it's 905, but I think it's influenced by other things. You mentioned Montreal and Buffalo again uh, as, as influences here. Uh, anybody that's carrying out this sort of thing and this business, and, and obviously it is responsible for these murders, uh, do they need to get permission from the higher-ups to be able to do that? Uh, that's, they're supposed to, although if you kill someone, then obviously they have to deal with what you've done. Like, it's not... Um, um, I, I think a lot of times someone wants to... Um, uh, get permission beforehand, but but then you almost get that kid thing about um, you know ask for forgiveness, not from permission, or else just let them react to what you've done. I mean, if you bump off the top people, then you're the top person now, and they have to react to you. You mentioned it's interesting. You, I'm talking to you for many years now. Is uh, different books come out, and and some of these things that were occurring here in our own backyard in some of these cases, Peter. Uh, and you mentioned that you're getting a lot of phone calls. Is that typical after an event like this? Yeah, and it's um, it's kind of odd because it, it's hard for me to semi-retire because if you either get a whole bunch or you or it's either running the taps really running or else it's um, it's dry, and so um, um, yeah, and with with social media that really pushes it up too because people don't have to say where they are. Like a guy yesterday was very nervous about me knowing who he was, but he really knew his stuff and. Um, um, he can point me places, and so I don't care all that much who he is anyway. But people can 
and stay in touch with you, but but not give away too much about themselves. I had one guy who he went through, I think, three different identities before I actually knew who he was because he he keeps giving me a name that's closer to him. And I, I you know, I didn't particularly care who he was. I just wanted to know what he knew. Do they trust you? Uh, yeah, like you, there's some stuff where you just don't um, you don't burn people and you make it clear why you're talking. And I mean, I'm not going to cover up anyone's crime, and I'm not. Um, fighting anyone's war, but I, I do want to do an accurate job. Uh, it's it's interesting, that that's sort of a relationship uh, between these, these informants. When, when they call, is it is it to point the finger at somebody else, or is it to say, hey, it wasn't me? Uh, sometimes they just want to vent. I mean, it's bizarre, but they've got so many layers of lies in their lives. They need someone, it's almost, they, they need someone they can just, just say, this is what really happened. And the guy yesterday, he he wanted to say, yeah, he's a bad guy, but when you call him Vitor Rizzuto's Ontario person, you're you're making him more than what he was. And it's almost um, uh, it's almost like he um, he's trying to get the record sort of straight in his mind. I talked to someone else who said, no, he's wrong. I think he was that big of a deal. And so you have it's almost like two people disagreeing on on um, something subjective like sports. But it's interesting, and they they. They're lying to their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their wives, their their buddies, and they, sometimes they just need someone they can they can actually let it go with. I, I'm anticipating you're going to get more phone calls over the next few days as this investigation continues. Yeah, I mean it's it's sort of odd because they're coming from different area codes too, so it's, it gets. Um, I'm I'm glad the paper pays my cell phone bill. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, listen, I really appreciate your uh, your input into this. Uh, it's uh, obviously very concerning to a lot of us as to what's going on. It's still more questions than answers at this stage. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this further down the road too. But thanks for this today. Oh, thanks a lot, Bill. I appreciate it. Take care, Peter Edwards, uh, great writer, of course, uh, for the Toronto Star. Uh, and, of course, uh, one of the uh, consultants and producer of the uh, TV series Bad Blood that I'm sure you watch. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.